Maybe you've heard of Slack, but what is it? Slack is your new HQ. One place for everyone at your company to find answers, share updates, and stay caught up. Slack, where work happens. Get started at slack.com. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. After last week's terrific run and a strong opening this morning, we got a hard, hard reversal. <laughs> Almost the whole afternoon, thanks to some saber rattling over the South China Sea. What can you do? Dow gave up 560-point gain to close up just 11. NASDAQ led us lower, plummeting 2.13%. S&P lost uh, 0.93%. Some will say this, that this today was a short-term top. I think it was just a hideous all-day sell program as money managers were eager to lock in their gains. Who can blame them? The market was up 7%. S&P was up 7% last week. And you know what? I think it could be short-term in nature. Still, it's not a great start to a very important week, the week that sets the tone for the whole earnings season. So what is the game plan for the next four days since I was away on Friday? You know what? We've already heard from PepsiCo today. It was a terrific quarter. Huge upside surprise. Frito-Lay business keeps benefiting from the stay-at-home crowd. Although because of the sell-off this afternoon, Pepsi gave up most of its terrific gains. We also got a big semiconductor deal. Analog devices buying maximum integrated for more than $20 billion. Takeovers. Better than expected numbers. Normally call it a positive backdrop. And and that's how it felt before the market really rolled over. But tomorrow's where the rubber hits the road. And it could be pretty rough. We hear from the best of the banks and the worst of the banks, J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. And I don't know if J.P. Morgan's results will be good enough to offset those of Wells Fargo. I think we'll hear a lot about bad loans from both of them. Though J.P. Morgan has the balance sheet and diversification to handle the plan. Wells Fargo, though? Well, they got a ton of personal loans and oil loans. Ouch. No wonder they had to cut the dividend. But it is run by Charlie Scharf. He's going to figure it out. We also hear from Citigroup, which is right smack in the middle. Now that Citi's had to suspend its incredible buyback, you, you, you've lost the best reason for owning the darn stock. Now, it, it's cheap, but it could easily stay cheap. Then there's Delta Airlines. Now, the Robin of traders, congratulations, Robin, for taking in more money. Uh, that company's worth a ton, but more than $8 billion. Uh, the, the Robin Hood crowd, they love the airlines, even as passengers seem to hate them. Will Delta need more help from the government? If they say no, you might actually want to buy a different one. You might want to buy American Airlines, which needs the most help, but only for trade, please. Wednesday, Goldman Sachs reports, and I think they're going to blow away the numbers. This market's a trader's paradise, which should allow an investment bank like Goldman to put up a remarkable quarter from all that Great firepower they got on the trading desk. And that's why we own it from my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club ahead of Wednesday's club call. It's going to have to focus heavily on the banks. We also hear from UNH, United Health Group, Dow Stock. This pandemic's been fabulous for the managed care space because all sorts of expensive surgeries keep being postponed. And that could lead to a huge quarter. But the conference call spells out the future. Please don't trade before you listen to the darn call. Because they could talk about politics and it could be murky. Thursday, more banks. I think the narrative at this point could be ugly. 
So Bank of America and Morgan Stanley will have to really shine to break the downward trend. Morgan Stanley can talk about the merger with E-Trade. I think it's, it works for the same reasons Goldman does. Almost no uncollateralized loan exposure. As for Bank of America, they almost always report excellent numbers driven by their top-notch digitization strategy. Never seems to matter. Maybe it's the ETFs that lump all the banks together. Maybe it's the digital businesses baked in. Either way, the stock hasn't been able to rise above the rest of the group. No reason this time should be different. I wish I didn't have to say that, but that's how I feel. Big Pharma's been stuck in a rut lately, though the drug stocks keep, uh, came roaring back today. Uh, they're classic recession place. That's what the market's telling us. Hmm. And that's because of the reopening and then the reclosing or reclosing, opening, declosing. What's driving this action? We're going to find out when Johnson Johnson reports. They have a terrific pipeline, and they're super focused on COVID. I bet they have a great quarter, but it might not matter because the stock ran up hard today. Perhaps the most important report of the week is one that people aren't buzzing about at all. It's called Taiwan Semiconductor. And that's because it has a huge amount of business with Apple, which was up so big at one point and gave it all up. Taiwan Semi is not allowed to mention Apple. First rule of Apple Supply Club is you don't talk about Apple Supply Club. But you can tell a lot from their orders. Taiwan, of course, is in good shape, by the way, the country. Why? They wear masks. Stick around. We've got a whole segment on why you should wear a mask. This is a brutal environment for restaurants, but we know there have been a few winners. The chains that dominate and take out the delivery. Chains like Domino's. I think they tell a good story as contactless delivery is the safest way to eat. After the closed Netflix reports, given that the stocks run more than 60% for the year, does it still have room? I think of Netflix as a worldwide entertainment service that's essential in the age of COVID-19. However, management tends to be pretty self-effacing. If they think sports are coming back, I bet they put the kibosh on their forecast and undercut the bull thesis. Listen to the call. Still, I, I would like Netflix into weakness more on that later. Finally, we hear from BlackRock, gigantic alternative asset manager and regular manager, too. The media loves BlackRock CEO Larry Fink because he actually has opinions. He has his own opinions about the world of stocks, the world at large, ESG, all sorts of things. Now that BlackRock's finished digesting PNC's sale of its stake in the company, uh, and that was done by a fantastic offering. It was in the low 400s when the deal happened. It's now at 552. You don't need to worry about a potential equity deal, but you do need to worry about fee cutting. I wonder if Larry will give us any insight into the Fed's bond buying program because BlackRock's orchestrating it. Finally, I know this is a small one, probably on your radar screen's first horizon. Okay, their port Friday. Why am I interested? Because this is a great regional bank. It is a top notch franchise. It's in one of the strongest areas of the country, Memphis, Tennessee, and has branches all over the south. It's amazingly well run. And yet. The stock sells for just seven times earnings, and it supports a massive 6% yield. It's down 40% for the year. I get it. The economy's a mess, and the South's now having a horrific COVID outbreak. But maybe First Horizon's been overly punished? Bottom line, this is the week when we find out if the real world is going to intrude on the stock market world. And that's what happened in the afternoon today. But tomorrow's the big test. If the banks can rally, then maybe we've gone through the looking glass. If the banks get hammered, things could get ugly. Max in Missouri. Max. Jimmy, chill. What's going on, brother? I'm trying to chill. It's good to be back. What's <laughs> happening? Love to hear, brother. Jim, I want to ask you what your take on Disney is. Disney, traditionally, great, great stock. A lot of people love it. And they've got a lot of positive things going for them with the NBA deal. Disney Plus and the addition of Hamilton to it. Their ownership of one of the largest media conglomerates out there, and not to mention this was the first weekend of their U.S. parks reopening. Right. Considering all these pros, 
What is your outlook on the price going forward? Okay. How could I, that potentially? This has been one of my longest owning positions for my chapel trust. We had to part with some when it ran up. Why? Well, first of all, we had a good basis. But second, all those things that you're talking about, uh, um, sports isn't coming back yet. And the theme parks and no uh, real big crowds. That Hamlin was a tearjerker. Jeez, my wife was crying with a daughter. But it's just not enough. And I totally understand why the stock's going lower. It got pushed hard by Goldman, and it didn't go up. Says it all. Bill in Delaware. Bill. Booyah, Jim. Welcome back. Oh, thank you, buddy. Thank I'm you very a, much. I'm a first-time caller, but I record you every day. It's great to see you hear me. Thank you. I got, um, I got a good question for you about uh, one of my favorite stocks. I got a sizable, sizable amount of my life savings and a few of them. But one of them is still down over 70% since Corona with a huge potential upside. Their um, 100% shutdown was completely absorbed in the first quarter. And their fiscal quarter didn't begin until early May after they started open dozens, dozens of locations. They also announced that the locations opened were able to do so safely okay. and are operating profitably. So my question is, at 12 and $13... Is my hard-earned money safe with Dave and Buster? Or should I be looking out no, to increase my think savings? Think about that. Hard-earned money in Dave and Buster's. I don't want that. Dave and Buster's balance sheet is not worth your hard-earned money. Let's get more conservative. Let's not try to find some sort of bottom where there might not be one. Spencer in California. Spencer. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I'm an agent in the music industry, and given the slow pace of venues reopening, new capacity restrictions, and the difficulty of getting people out to live events, are you still bullish on Live Nation? It's very hard to be bullish. Remember, uh, Live Nation concert company. Here's the here's the issue with a lot of stocks. If you the facts change, okay. If you ignore the facts and just say, you know what, that's a great company, you are dealing with the worst pandemic in a uh, uh, hundred years. And concerts, theme parks, restaurants, they cannot be good until a vaccine. You're betting on a vaccine. That's all you're betting on. And I don't know if I want to make that bet for 2020. All right, guys, a very important week. Tomorrow's a big day. This week has always been make or break. And you know what? Let's just say it may not be so great. We'll make money tonight. When an activist money manager starts sparring with a triple company, how do you know who's right? I'm eyeing the battle brewing between Elliott Management, we like them, and Crown Castle, we like them. Then one-third of the U.S. population doesn't regularly wear a mask, so it doesn't work. I'm speaking to the top minds of business about an innovative idea, and you can help. Oh, and then you know what they say? Money is power. I'm talking to Elvest to find out how it's shifting capital to promote racial justice about time. Stay with me. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. This is not Armageddon. It's a painful time to own stocks, but it won't always be. 
I'm opening up the phone lines, taking all your questions. I just want to thank you for keeping us sane through all the turbulent times and reminding us to never panic. Thanks for everything that you do. And sure thanks trying. for talking me down off the ledge more than once. I don't know when the average will bottom, but eventually there'll be volumes. This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Investing isn't one size fits all. Every investor has a unique style. That's why TD Ameritrade offers two different mobile apps. There's TD Ameritrade Mobile, which lets you manage your portfolio with streamlined simplicity. Or Thinkorswim Mobile, which gives you tools you need for more advanced trades and in-depth analysis. Visit tdameritrade.com apps to find the one that's right for you. Once again, that's tdameritrade.com apps. When a brilliant activist money manager starts sparring with a terrific company, how do you know he's right? While we were on vacation last week, one of the world's smartest activist hedge funds took aim at one of my favorite companies. I'm talking about Elliott Management, which is now gunning for Crown Castle. The real estate investment trust that owns tens of thousands of cell towers. We've been recommending this one as part of the Kramer COVID-19 index. It's been a good performer. Normally, activist money managers target poorly run companies. They take a big position and agitate for changes to unlock value. Sometimes you can ride their coattails for some juicy gains. This story is a little different, though. Crown Castle is a great company, and Elliott recognizes that, but they still want management to change their strategy. See, Crown Castle has two primary businesses. There's the traditional cell tower business, where they build towers and then lease antenna space to the wireless carriers. Wow, what a good business that is. But then there's the fiber business, where they use small cell towers and fiber connections to fill out wireless uh, networks in cities. Okay, Elliott says they're spending too much money on the fiber business. They want Crown Castle to dial it back, focus on projects with higher returns, towers. But Crown Castle wants to stick with their strategy here. And I, you know what? I understand it. Hey, we just had CEO Jay Brown on the show two weeks ago. I thought he acquitted himself well. Told a fantastic story. So who's right? What are we supposed to do about all this? Let's start by setting the scene. Now, I've been recommending Crown Castle over the two other big tower players, SBA Communications and American Tower, because it's all domestic. It's got a more rewarding dividend. Yields 2.9% at these levels. Stock's been a solid performance, up 70% year-to-date. 17, not bad. 46% run from the uh, March lows. That said, there are a ton of hot stocks in this market, and Crown Castle really isn't one of them. It's too slow and too steady. I like that. When you look at the 100 stocks in the Kramer COVID index, though, this one's 75th place in terms of performance. However, considering how much this market's run, that's an advantage, which is why I told you to play catch-up with Crown Castle a couple weeks ago. I like the stock. The thesis is pretty straightforward. Thanks to the pandemic, which will probably force a bunch of states back into lockdown, connectivity is more important than ever. At the same time, wireless carriers are rolling out 5G, and I think that's one of the best long-term growth stories around. As the 5G build-out accelerates, the carriers need to lease more tower space, more small cells from companies like Crown Castle. It's the only way to handle all that additional traffic. But apparently it's not enough for Elliott Management. Last Monday, the activist fund announced they'd taken a billion-dollar stake in Crown Castle, putting their money where their mouth is. They released a whole presentation outlining what they call the Reclaiming the Crown Plan. Elliot noted they'd spent a month trying to persuade Crown Castle's management in private. They weren't getting much traction, so they sent an open letter to the board of directors. Still, this whole thing was pretty gentlemanly by Elliot's standards. They're not calling for the CEO's head. They're not telling the company to put itself up for sale. They just want a course correction. Pretty smart. It's about as general as these guys get. Remember, this is the hedge fund that seized the ship from the Argentine Navy to make the government pay its debts. And it worked. They're going very easy on Crown Castle. I think that's really important. So what exactly does Elliot want? 
Okay, they point out that even though Crown Castle's outperformed the overall market, the stocks lag the other two cell towers. Well, there you go, American Tower and SBA Communications. The reason? Well, as Elliot sees it, it's because Crown Castle's been spending too much money on fiber, including the $7.1 billion acquisition of Light Tower in 2017. At the moment, these fiber-based assets are producing much lower returns than traditional business. Who needs it? The solution? Elliot says the company should implement a return-based hurdle rate for capital spending projects in the fiber business. In other words, don't make these fiber investments unless they're really going to pay off. That seems smart to me. Crown Castle could take the money they save and use it to fund a big dividend boost next year. Finally, many of the board members have been there for a long time. Elliot recommends bringing some new blood. Nothing wrong with that. Now, Elliot's got a great track record, but might they be off base here? Are they wrong about Crown Castle? It is true that over the past decade, Crown Castle spent $16 billion building out its fiber business. Over that same period, its stock has lagged the two pure play uh, tower companies, AMT and SPAC. And Elliot thinks that underperformance is all about fiber. Uh, it's hard to disagree. Cell towers are a fantastic business. Fiber is an okay business. Yet the company's spending a lot more on fiber than on towers. Seems ill-advised. According to Elliott's calculations, the market's only valuing the fiber assets at $11 billion, which is nuts when you consider that Crown Castle spent $16 billion on acquisitions and capital expenditures for that fiber business. Now, they think the business is salvageable, but management needs to stop pouring money into it. So where do I come out? You know what? I think Crown Castle and Elliott need to talk this thing out. Oh, it's right about focusing on towers, and it's so lucrative. It's a wonder that Crown Castle just doesn't stick with those. Sure, all these fiber and small cell investments have been expensive, but that's because Crown Castle spent years laying the groundwork for the 5G build-out, which is only just getting started. As the 5G build-out picks up speed, the major carriers will need Crown Castle's fiber-based small cell sites. Management's betting that the margins for fiber will go a lot higher as demand increases. Basically, Crown Castle believes this is the future of wireless, in part because it works much better than cell towers in densely populated areas. True. They spent all this money to own the future. True. If they're right, they'll leave American Tower and SBAC in the dust over the next few years. But if, if that's the case, management needs to make this argument much more forcefully. I wouldn't be surprised if Elliot's open to being persuaded or at least be open-minded. No need for scorched earth here, as Jay Brown and his team have a terrific long-term track record. Either way, though, I think there's a lot of room for compromise here. Maybe Crown Castle cuts some of its lowest return fiber projects, raises the dividend to $6 a year instead of, uh, instead of the 7 that Elliot's asking for. That would give it a juicy 3.6% yield. Maybe they can convince Elliot that fiber's the future. However this plays out, you know what? Here's what's important. I think it's good for you, the shareholders. Elliot's doing what's right for its partners, but that could be great news for you, too. The situation reminds me of Elliot's involvement with eBay that started about 18 months ago. For a while, eBay was willing to work with Elliot, although eventually there were some pretty significant disagreements. CEO, CEO had to resign in September. The key, though, is that eBay's rallied nearly 90% since Elliot got involved. See how smart they are, bottom line. We know how these activist situations play out. Either Crown Castle gives Elliot what they want and you get a leaner, meaner cell tower play with a high dividend or Crown Castle ups its game to fend off the activists. Either way, this already good story could get even better as Elliot's work, as always, is top notch and begs to be listened to. Stick with Kramer. Booyah, Kramer, long-time fan, first-time caller. Jim, big-time fan, long-time viewer. want to thank you very much for everything you do. You've educated millions of people. just want to thank you for all that you do for the millennial investor. Thanks for all your guidance through the years. You always talk about best in breed. Thank you so much, Jim, for your years of hard work and really incredible stock recommendations. Wanted to just give a big reminder to all the listeners, please, please, please wear your masks. 
This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. In unprecedented times, access to the right information can help you make better informed investing decisions. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to providing a range of relevant educational content, like timely articles, informative webcasts, and access to daily live market news, so you can stay on the path to becoming a smarter investor. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash market hub. TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. The most effective way to stop the spread of COVID-19 until we get a vaccine, it's easy. You need to wear a mask. Goldman Sachs just published a piece saying that without masks, we may need to go back into lockdown, which would already crush the battered economy. California just shut down all the restaurants, bars, and movie theaters again. Unfortunately, millions of Americans simply won't wear masks for a variety of reasons, and that's a huge problem. So how do we get more people to put on a darn mask? We need to come up with masks that are more comfortable or maybe more stylish. We need a contest where we ask young people to come up with something new, like the old Westinghouse science competition. When I suggested a contest to Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce, who's led the way on helping the country reopen safely, he immediately said we need to contact Dr. Peter Diamandis. He's the founder and executive chairman of XPRIZE, nonprofit that's run seven science competitions, and they're now running the next-gen mask contest. And we need to check in with Darius Adamczyk, the chairman and CEO of Honeywell, the diversified industrial cloud software conglomerate that has a fantastic personal protective equipment division, including the best, let's say, the most rigorous medical masks available. We got to be a, a spire, but we need a wearable community mask that protects as many people as possible. Mark, Darius, Peter, welcome to Mad Money. Let's talk masks. Mark, I'm going to to start with you, Mark, because you're wearing one. What this contest and what can it accomplish? Well, let me take this off. Jim, you know, masks are so important. You know, Jim, if everyone in the United States wore a mask for three weeks, just three weeks, we would not have any more coronavirus because there would be no more spread. But people do not want to wear masks. And you know why, Jim? Number one, they said well, it focuses their glasses. And number two, it gets too hot. It's too uncomfortable. It causes breathing difficulties. It makes conversations challenging. It makes exercise uh, while wearing too difficult. And also, it causes pain or they can't eat or drink. Well, Jim, we have to get through these issues. We all have to start wearing masks. Like I said, if we all wore masks for three weeks, everyone in the United States, we would not have any more coronavirus which, for example, why in the country of Japan there is no coronavirus? Because they have a mask culture. Okay. That's why there's okay. only a few thousand infections for 125 million people. So we all need to do this, but we have to crack this code. Just like you said, we have to figure out how do we create a mask that everyone, every American, will wear now. Peter, you know contests. You know how to do this. How is this going to work, and why do you think it could work? Yeah, so at the XPRIZE, we're 25 years old now. We run about $200 million of XPRIZE competitions. And thanks to Mark Benioff and, frankly, Jim, your uh, generous contribution, we're launching this million-dollar competition. We're asking kids uh, age 15 to 24 to participate in this. Submit your design for a mask, a next-generation mask, that, that you can enjoy. It doesn't fog your glasses. All The whole list that Mark just went after and uh, we expect hundreds, perhaps thousands of submissions. We're then going to take the top 25 of those and find out, are they manufacturable? 
Once we determine that are manufacturable, we're going to talk, take the top 10 of those and go out to influencers and say, hey, is this a cool mask? Will you wear this? And we want masks that are culturally cool to wear, that say something about you, that are functional. And then finally, we're going to be, besides testing whether they're functional with our partners, for example, at Honeywell, uh, do they provide protection? We're then going to a shark tank and we're going to be anointing two winners, each of which win $500,000. But the goal here is a new generation, next generation masks that people wear because they want to wear them, not because they're being forced to wear them. Right. Now, Darius, no one knows personal protective equipment better than you and Honeywell. Why do you think that someone between the ages of 15 and 24 might be able to develop something that would be a community mask, that would be a more wearable mask? Is it possible? Can it be made? Oh, no doubt. I mean, whenever we heard this idea that frankly came from you and Mark, to really harness the intellectual curiosity, the innovation of our youth, we right away jumped in. I mean, this is a terrific idea to really harness what our youth can do. And I have no doubt they're going to come up with just great ideas that hopefully we're going to put into the broader global uh, community and put them to good use. Because as Mark talked about, masks are the way that we can go back, at least in some ways, to the way things were faster. They enable us to open the economy and they enable kids to go back to school and it will make them much more safe if we don't wear them. So we're we're thrilled to be part of the team that uh, that can help bring this to reality. OK, so, Mark, it, it's look, we know this is a uh, it's about life and death, but it's also about the economy. You have work.com. Salesforce knows this uh, knows this area cold. Our economy could be, uh, is, some people say it's falling apart. I don't want to get political, but I know that the way that Goldman says we are going down a path that could hurt 5% of our GDP. Can mass stop that? Jim, we don't have that many things that we can do. We've been talking about this on this show for four or five months now. We can do contact tracing. We can do testing. And we can wear masks. That's it. One, two, three. If you want to stop the spread, those are the three things. Just look at the tremendous work of Governor Gina Raimondo of the state of Rhode Island, who's almost fully extinguished the virus in her state by implementing those three things. And not just in Rhode Island. Look at France. Look at Germany. As I said, look at Japan, Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan. Masks are very important. They are the key. If everyone in the United States wore masks for three weeks, every person, total compliance, the mass of the whole virus will be gone. We have to take that very seriously. Okay, so Peter, I have been running on t uh, tweets for the last 10 days about the idea of a mask that everyone will want to wear. The vast majority of people, honestly, just tell me it's not possible. They, forget about it. But you are doing, you, if you have thousands of young, smart Americans coming up with something that could be a uniting force, is it too crazy? Or do you think, because you often talk about it, that too crazy may lead to something that's perfectly sane? Yeah, Jim, we talk about the notion that the day before something is truly a breakthrough, it's a crazy idea, right? And so we're looking for crazy ideas. There is no doubt that it is possible. There will be next generation masks. Perhaps this is where technology gets incorporated for a new generation of sensors that give you all these additional benefits that you want to wear the mask. But uh, we're not going to the traditional players who will give us traditional solutions. We're going to a new generation that, frankly, 
if young people wear them and make it cool, their parents will wear them, everyone will wear them. We're going to bring influencers into it. We're going to bring manufacturers into it. We're going to bring some of the top philanthropists into it. And the goal is something that people say, yeah, I want to wear that. And we'll see it's going to be this competition is going to run between now and the end of the year. And so in Q1 of 2021, we hope there'll be a new generation mask. And it's not just for an idea. This has to be manufacturable. So our team led by Dr. Emily Church is working with manufacturers. We're so proud to have Honeywell on the team here that we make sure half the money goes when you got a great idea. The other half of the money goes to the winner when you put it into production. Okay, so Darius, I want to make it clear, I'm not trying to build the best mask that's going to just shut down COVID. I mean, you do that already, okay? We're trying to find something that inspires people to say, you know what, I got to do this. This helps me. This helps the other person. Do you think that you can have something that's stylish, that maybe could allow you to have facial expression, that maybe could make it so that you don't feel so difficult talking and fog your glasses? Are these just uh, nick? You know, say uh, niggling things, and that you can actually beat this. Oh no, question. I mean, we already we already know that the best mask out there is the N95 mask, and we were one of the people that make it. But the fact is, it isn't the most comfortable wear mask to wear. It's not aesthetically appealing, and that's why you get some pushback, particularly from young people, to wear it. But it does the best job of protecting you. However, given some of the requirements it has. It's difficult to make it aesthetically pleasing, but we don't necessarily need an N95 mask. We need a mask that appeals to the mass population that's comfortable, it's easy to wear, that influencers will wear. And that's really what this contest is all about. And I, I have no doubt that our young people come up with great ideas and hopefully we'll be able to manufacture those great ideas in 2021. All right. So, Mark, last question. When I was growing up, we had the Westinghouse competition. It was a, a science project. And we all did it. And we were hoping to make some money. We we're hoping to get a scholarship. Here we're offering real money. Do you think that the youth of America are going to hear about this contest and join in to come up with something that we can all wear, that we would stop the community spread and make our country, I'd say, uh, let's just say, bring the economy back on, come back hot? Well, Jim, as, as Darius said, N95 is amazing, but it really just a simple piece of cloth, a simple piece of cloth blocks 90% of all the droplets. That's amazing. And we want a mask that everyone wants to wear that's a cultural phenomenon, something that maybe Louis Vuitton or Virgil Abloh or Stella McCartney might have designed, but maybe it'll be you. You, one of the youth of America, our future, who will have a breakthrough now so that you can design the mask that all Americans will want to wear. And I believe that you are out there, whoever you are, we need you to come up with that mask and you can win this tremendous prize money through X Prize and be recognized as the person who stopped coronavirus. So I hope that that person who's out there is going to fu- listen to this and realize that they could win this prize money and have a breakthrough now and deliver the mask that we all need so badly. You know, I'm a believer. I want to thank all three gentlemen. I know what you want. You want our country to be safe and strong. Darius Jamchek of Honeywell. Darius knows more about PPE than anybody I know. Then we have uh, Peter Diamandis, who's actually running the, ta- the contest for XPRIZE, and Mark Bedioff, who came to me and said, Jim, what can we do? And I said, I don't know, how about a contest? Thank you. Hey, Jim, yeah. Jim XPRIZE.org slash masks is where you go to register, find out about this competition. Okay. Any kid, 15 to 24, join us. I wish I were 15. 
I wish I were 24. Wear your mask. Wear your mask, Jim. All right, guys, thank you so much. Man, money's back yet to the break. Six years ago, Sally Krawcheck, the legendary former head of Merrill Lynch's wealth management business, she found a new company. It's called Elevest. It's a privately held digital investment advisor a business focused solely on women. In the last few months, though, the world has changed and Elevest has to change with it. When the pandemic hit in March, they started getting lots of questions about everything money related, not just stocks, budgeting, savings, habits, managing debt. There are a lot of people in dire straits who need help right now. So last month, Elvis launched a new set of offerings that include banking, coaching, and education tools from one to nine bucks a month. Then the George Floyd protests got rolling, and the company decided to widen its lens beyond women. They're now also trying to help people of color. I think it's the right thing to do. It's also good business. When you think about all the people who tend to get left behind by the financial system, that's a huge problem. But it's also a big market. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Sally Krawcheck, the co-founder and CEO of Elvis. Get a better sense of these new initiatives. Ms. Krawcheck, welcome back to Man Money. Hey, Jim. So glad to be here with you. I, the last time I saw you was pre-pandemic. Yeah. My goodness. It sure was. Well, look, you've, you've been very tough on yourself uh, and trying to make a difference, which has always been the way you've been. Tell us what mm-hmm. a she session is, because I think this, <laughs> this caps, encapsulates the, the moment. Well, uh, the she session is what we're in, which is a recession in which women are disproportionately hurt, whether that's that women have been losing their jobs at a greater rate than men, whether women who are privileged enough to work from home have been losing productivity while men have become more productive because of childcare, house care activities, whether it's women or a larger share of essential workers. So they've been risking their lives to a greater degree. Sadly, women went into this downturn with 32 cents of wealth to a white man's dollar for black women, brown women, one penny of net worth to a white man's dollar, and unfortunately are going back backwards at a greater rate. Wow. Well, I mean, that, that yeah. is an incredible disparity. But what can you do to solve it? I, I mean, it seems to me that uh, when I read your message from CEO Sally Krawcheck, you're talking mm-hmm. directly about dismantling white supremacy, uh, the bias, innate bias uh, that is just truly uh, some people think is unconquerable. So what is LFS going to do? Well, and LFS can't do it, obviously, on its own. What we can do is what we can do, which is on our di- in our digital business, technology first, we expanded out our offerings, more products, more capabilities for more women, including women who aren't yet ready to invest. Help them with banking capabilities, help them with learning, coaching, so they can figure out how to get out of debt, to you know, manage their expenses. And then in our high net worth business, where we have financial advisors, what we're hearing from wealthier women, from successful women is where I put my money is really important. I recognize every dollar I invest or spend has an impact. You've helped me, Elevest, invest with a gender lens, invest in women. Can you also help me invest in an anti-racist way? And of course, you can't be for equality for women, if you're not also anti-racist, working for equality for black and brown women, women of color. All right. How about Elevest itself? Uh, you were very, very tough a month and a half ago trying to uh, leadership zero uh, percent black, 30 percent people of color, 70 percent women. How are you going to change that ratio? Well, and, you know, Jim, the truth is I was focusing so much on the company overall 
um, for having the kind of diversity that uh, overrepresents underrepresented folks that I actually just took my eye off the ball when it came to the leadership team. And I said, you know, come on, we can't, come on, Sally, you know, we can't solve this problem for all women if we don't have the representative voices at my leadership table. And so I, you know, Jim, we're not going to, we're going to have a diversity committee and we're going to have diversity cocktail parties and we're going to, it's really a pipeline issue. That's no, no, we're just going to do it. Um, we are going to, as I've done at other levels of the company, just say, look, hiring and promoting, it's a bit of a Rubik's Cube. We need to have diversity of all kinds so that we make sure voices are fully represented at our table. And that, you know, means that I don't go with them. Let's hire the best person for the job who often, to my mind, reminds me a lot of myself, as it does for all of us, that it's got to be the best person for the team. And that can mean different kinds of experiences, different kinds of backgrounds, ethnicity, all genders, et cetera. Okay, so don't beat yourself up too much. You've been, you're the first pioneer. You've changed many things on Wall Street for women. But I, I, I do need to ask you this. When, if someone comes to you, and, and so, uh, a person of color, not a person of color, and says, listen, I'm scared of this market. Sally, you're fabulous. What are you telling them? I'm saying don't, you need a financial plan. You need an investing plan. Because unless you are Jim Cramer doing this all the time, you're a professional, you live and breathe this, honestly, as an individual investor, do you think you're going to be able to pick that sector that professional investors haven't figured out consistently, consistently? And so, you know, a plan, a invest a little bit out of every paycheck, invest in a diversified investment portfolio, Jim, for so many people makes sense. And what I was really proud to see is during the, as we call it, WTF moments in the market, our client base, our community held firm. They didn't pull their money out. They didn't change their asset allocation dramatically. They kept investing. And here we are. If you and I had laid out this environment for ourselves back the last time we were together, right before the pandemic really took off and said, this is going to be the effects of the pandemic where the economy is going to be. I don't think you and I would have expected the stock market would be where it is exactly right now. No, you're, you're certainly right about that. Well, Sally, congratulations on everything you've done. And congratulations for taking this one and just saying, listen, we're going to change it. Most people, it's a, a day. You obviously are going to make it your life. And I think that's fabulous. That's Sally Klochek, co-founder and CEO of LFS, making a difference. That money's back into the break. It is time. It's time for the And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Couldn't start with Michael in Connecticut. Michael. Booyah, Jimmy Chell from Connecticut. Thanks for all you do. Hey, retail's been hit pretty hard. Nordstrom has been hovering between 15 and $16 for a few weeks, but I think I have the cash to make it through COVID. What's your thoughts on investing in JWN with a two-year time horizon? Two-year time horizon? No, it still doesn't change. Not when we have so many great retailers that are dominating. Uh, look, I would rather own Walmart than Nordstrom, to be honest. I would rather own Target. Let's go to Jeff in Ohio. Jeff. Mr. Kramer, I hope you enjoyed your vacation. It was terrific. Thank you, because my wife, Lisa, is such a great hostess. What's going on? I have a question about a stock that um, 
is into the electric vehicle market and might have the possibility about getting the next postal vehicle contract. It's called Workhorse. Workhorse. It's been a rocket ship. Workhorse, yeah. Uh, Look, it's incredibly speculative. Speculation has been working. I understand that this is just the flavor. I think it's flavor of the month. But you know what? Tastes good. Let's go to Bob in Missouri. Bob. Yeah, I'm glad you're back, James. Missed you. We we think Amoresco. We asked about that one. Um, you know, look, I am a big believer in renewable energy. Uh, that's part of the main theme. Renewable energy is a big theme. Electric vehicles a big theme. Hydrogen big thing. You can put five percent of your portfolio into this, but no more, please. These are really speculative. Pete in Florida. Pete. Hey, is this Jimmy Chill? Yeah, it's the Chill Man. Hey, how's it going? Uh, uh, I'm looking to get into Zoom video. I'm looking for a reasonable entry window. Talk to me, Brother James. Okay, so Zoom reversed today. At one point, it traded at 281, and then it went down to 256. I think that people don't want to hear this, but this sell-off is actually an opportunity in Zoom. So I would start, but start small. Why small? Because that reversal today scared a lot of people, and it's going to bring out more sellers tomorrow. I need to go to Mark in Florida. Mark. Hi, Jim. Uh, I hope you had a great vacation. You were certainly missed. I did a lot of gardening. There was a storm that went through my tomato patch. It was uh, something that I, you know what? They grow back. That's my secret. Go ahead. What's up? Uh, Booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. Hey, I'm holding GSK. I really, really like the dividend, and I think I want more. What do you think? Uh, No need. No need to buy more. Uh, and the reason I say that is because they don't have the earnings growth that you want. They just don't. And as far as I'm concerned, the problem with Glaxo is that people just want to, for the yield, 4.7. I like growth when it comes to drugs. I actually think Bristol Myers better buy. Let's go to Mike in Michigan. Mike. Booyah, Jeff. Booyah. Uh, I'd like to thank you for taking my uh, my call. I appreciate for what you do and all your staff do. Uh, this year, I love watching the show. Thank you. Uh, I have, a, I have a, one question for you. Uh, we're, we're starved for live, live sporting events. Uh, one I'm looking at is World Wrestling Entertainment. Is this a buy? Uh, no. Um, if, if you're starved for what you ought to go do is buy a video game stock. I, I think it's a better bet uh, because I don't know when live is going to come back. I have to tell you that I think that every league is way too optimistic. You know, they can't even get testing. Let's go to John in Florida. John. Yeah, hi, Jim. It's John Case. Hey, John. I'm in Florida. How are you? Okay, Jim. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for asking. Very good. So, Jim, I'd like to have your analysis on the Rite Aid RAD, please. Okay, so Rite Aid, I believe, is what we call, John, a short squeeze. There are a lot of people betting against it. I don't think it's doing that well. I don't know if you caught, I don't know if you caught Walgreens last week. But, you know, all the way out at the beach, I saw that was bad. These guys aren't nearly any near as, near as good as Walgreens. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. We're always on the hunt for bull markets, even in the unlikeliest of places. Jim, you're my hero. 
Uh, I want to thank you for all the insight you've shared over the years. Thank you for your approachability and accessibility. Thank you for all the money you've made me and all you do. On a day like today, I especially want to thank you for the COVID-19 Index. Appreciate all your wisdom. Think you're a great man. the hottest stocks in this market were higher this morning before giving up the ghost in the afternoon. So it's time after this vicious reversal, but of course also after my vacation this week, to ask if this is a reality check or a buying opportunity. These scorching stocks, you know what? I'm calling them the wild bunch. Four stocks that are totally untamed and unfettered, and we're talking about three veterans, Amazon, Netflix, Tesla, and one newer name, Livongo Health. As wild as these stocks are, they all have decent balance sheets these days and legitimate stories that transcend COVID-19. Although Amazon, Netflix, and Livongo each benefit from the pandemic. Now listen, even after today's sell-off, I actually think, and I know that the uh, bears out there will not like this, hold your ears, that there is a a method to the market's madness. You can actually justify the elevated valuations for all four members of the Wild Bunch. Some of them are revolutionary. Amazon's taking over the world thanks to the best customer service imaginable. That's the secret. They give you incredibly low prices in the most convenient way possible. Amazon Prime may be the best bargain in history, but the stock's recent run is all about COVID. It's like Amazon was built for this moment. And I'm not just talking about the retail side. There are two other businesses, web services and advertising with extraordinary growth rates. Amazon Web Services, AWS, is the backbone of the cloud. It's so good that even competing retailers use it. I think the company actually deserves this $1.5 trillion valuation. Although we recently sold a chunk of it for the charitable trust. Why? It's becoming too large a position. It's taking over the portfolio. High quality problem. Next up, oh, what can I say about Tesla that hasn't been said? All right, the thing had a wild ride today, up 250 bucks, then marginally down, then up again before it plunged into the close to end the day down nearly 50 bucks. We know this company's phenomenal, but it's had an incredible run. Are all the positives baked in? Maybe not. Tesla's holding its annual meeting and it's battery day, September 22nd. And Elon Musk is all fired up about this. What if he unveils a battery that can go 1,000 miles between recharging? Hey, what if he rolls out a pickup truck that rivals Ford's F-150? What if he tells us that China sold out or that Berlin's factory is well ahead of schedule or India's on the drawing board? In short, in a little over two months, we will find out why Tesla stock has been flying. I bet it might justify the move. How about Netflix? There's another revolutionary that had doubters every step of the way. I can remember when the skeptics mocked the idea that Netflix was worth more than CBS. Now CBS is a fly spec. There'll be people who question the company when it was worth $50 billion and spent money like a drunken sailor, but now it's worth almost $230 billion. Like Amazon, Netflix offers an irreplaceable service at a ridiculously cheap price. Also, we'd gladly pay more if we had to. And that's doubly true in the age of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Every time I get together with friends, always maintaining six feet of distance, we talk about how to entertain ourselves now that we can't go to the movies or watch sports. Netflix is keeping us sane. Well, maybe not sane, but definitely less crazy. Like Tesla, we used to worry about Netflix's balance sheet, but now we all know it can just sell a ton of stock or issue some bonds, low rates, get over that issue. That means the momentum is very hard to stop, even though the stock's had an enormous run because it trades with COVID case growth. The fact that it's got a terrific slate of new movies is besides the point, although I highly recommend watching the Epstein documentary. 
Finally, there's Livongo Health. It's a digital health platform that helps people manage chronic diseases. Livongo came to its own under the pandemic. We've had them on repeatedly. They just pre-announced better than expected numbers last week. We like it very much. Big reversal today. Think of Livongo as a sophisticated personal life coach for people with diabetes or hypertension, two huge COVID risk factors. I'm sure they can add more conditions to the platform over time. Stock got hammered today after two vaccine candidates were fast-tracked by the FDA. I would be a buyer into this rare moment of weakness. Does the action in the Wild Bunch make sense? Of course it makes sense, as long as the companies can keep executing. Doesn't mean they can't roll over occasionally, as they did today. But when that happens, you can start buying them. Just leave a lot of room in case they come down even more. Stick with Kramer. Look, you know I'm a gardener if you follow me on Twitter. You know what I saw today? I saw a pruning. Sometimes when you prune, it grows up even harder. And that's all I saw with that reversal. Not more than that. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.